0: Welcome to this very special series brought to you by Straight to the Source and Food South Australia with support from the Department of Trade and Investment.
1: We're coming to you today from the traditional lands of the Ghana people and we'd like to begin by paying our respects to elders past, present and emerging and we extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people here today.
0: We've taken our studio on the road to Adelaide, where we're catching up with 10 exciting producers from regions across South Australia to find out what puts them at the forefront of creativity and innovation in food production.
1: It's been really fantastic to spend time in South Australia over the last few days. It's really reinforced the diversity that's on offer here and the outstanding quality across the board.
0: You can feel the connection and collaboration between producers and it's really wonderful because it makes them so much stronger together.
1: Yeah, we've had, we've had and heard some fantastic conversations with producers over the last few days and we're really looking forward to sharing their stories with you. And it's been mighty delicious. <laughs> Let's get started.
0: Among the fascinating farmers we spent time with in South Australia... This father-daughter duo are simultaneously innovating and protecting the heritage of South Australia's unique almond market. Debbie Trojanowski, along with her husband, now runs the Toronga Almond Farm, which was started by her parents, Mick and Margaret Jones, in 1992. It's a fabulous family story, and I started by asking, where
1: is this family farm located? The property that we started on is in Salix Hill, is part of the Fleur Peninsula in South Australia. And when you moved to
0: the property, what year was that? 92. 1992? Yeah. And what, what was growing there? Was it just almonds and was it a certain variety?
2: No, uh, it was almonds, uh, the old-fashioned Chellistons, johnsons and a couple of other varieties. that so the guy who was, owned it was trying out to see what they were like, but they weren't successful. Um, then we replanted it, like I said. Um, in 92, we pulled out a quarter of the block, which was is a 10-acre block. Um, we pulled out a quarter and replanted it with Somertons, which are a South Australian variety of almond.
1: The Summerton almonds have become quite a popular almond in our region. I believe the story goes that they were discovered in a backyard, a particular tree. I, I don't know how that happens, but <laughs> they liked the tree. So they, I think the word is cultivated it and grafted it or whatever. And now it's become a bit of a South Australian icon almond that is becoming rare to find, but we are actively promoting it to keep that variety alive.
0: And what is the flavour profile of it?
1: We tend to describe the Summerton as slightly crispy on the skin, but really buttery and creamy internally. It has a slightly sweet flavour, but very almondy, very creamy and buttery. Makes a beautiful almond milk and almond meals and almond butters because of its creaminess. But that slight sweetness means it doesn't really need anything added to it to bring that natural sweetness about. It's a very special almond. It's also known as a brown skin almond, I believe. Yeah.
2: Yeah. But they're all brown skin, but like Johnson's are exceptionally darker brown and it's hairy. Oh, Th- right. That would be yeah. a good way of describing yeah. a Johnson. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um,
2: the old fashioned Chalistons, they were a dark brown almond as well, um, but nowhere near got the flavour of the new flavour, new varieties.
1: So obviously, when everybody's um, creating or when the farmers are creating these um, newer almonds, one of the important factors is flavour. So as Dad says, the Chelistons are quite known for they don't have the strong almond flavours, but they were around a long time ago where the newer varieties, they're always trying to get that, you know, more distinct almond flavours as well as good producing trees, so producing lots of almonds and every year, that kind of thing. So the Summertons and Johnstons, they Like Dad said, they're a brown skin almond. They've got a lot of flavour, so they make a great table nut. You don't have to flavour them, in other words. They can shine all on their own. But the downside of those trees as a farmer is the fact that some years will be dormant and some years they don't flourish as much, where the newer-style varieties, which are more golden in their appearance, They are what we call a bit of like a designer nut where, yeah, that's the one. So that's your newer style varieties that are most people will see in your all stores, health food stores, supermarkets and everything. They are uh, a beautiful almond, but they're more golden. They're lighter in flavour and sweet, but most importantly for a farmer, they don't have dormant ears. So they will tend to flourish if the seasons are good and Mother Nature behaves. They'll flourish every single year.
0: What's the ideal conditions for growing almonds?
1: That's what is special about the flora region. So the flora region has a Mediterranean-style climate. So we have very wet, cold winters, but then we have nice, dry, hot summers. So Dad has spent 30 years until recently when he's retired from farming, tried to. um, Have you really retired? No, From the farming, but
2: not the packaging. No.
1: <laughs> um, he spent thirty years of the, you know it's hard work um, harvesting these because that dry hot summer is when you harvest. So it's been it's tough conditions. Yeah,
2: you used to do it out in thirty five degree heat, and that was just under the shade. Yeah, by the time you got out in the sun, which you was working all day, in, it it was a lot hotter than that
1: yeah it's it's a tough industry like that little beautiful almond that people love there's a lot of work goes into and tough conditions so that mediterranean climate in winter so dad would have been pruning leading up and into that winter it, you know it's it's very rainy and it's um very cold and so that's harsh in itself um, and then um, you know leading into summer you've got those beautiful hot dry summers just like in Spain where almonds are very popular and I think the Middle East they're very popular so again cold wet winters dry hot summers perfect climate
0: so with the varieties though you're blending them as well
1: Yes, yes. We will tend to use the the one that you're holding, which is a non-Pareil almond, a paper shell. We'll tend to use that variety for our flavouring. That's more about consistency. Okay. So more of those almonds being around these days and so therefore we get consistency in what we're cooking. But to be honest, roasting a Summerton or a Johnston almond, they're beautiful. They get really quite light and crispy. But because they are an old-fashioned almond, they're not as around as much anymore. So for consistency, that's a bit more difficult. But when it, they are around in that seasonal climate, I would jump on and get a roasted summerton any day.
0: Can the consumer detect the difference? I mean,
1: yes. Yes. Okay. yep. Yeah. So I tend to do tastings um, on our market store. And when I explain the difference, you can see it. In the customers faces the difference and the acknowledgement that they cannot believe there are actually different almonds and that there really is a difference in flavor and texture of the almonds
0: i remember when we first had a conversation ages ago and we were talking about almonds in the supermarket and the perception of almonds and and you mentioned something about well the ones that you buy often aren't fresh
1: it's, it's the process of pasteurisation. So ours are unpasteurized almonds and they are pesticide-free. What that means is they come off the tree as nature intended, which makes them beautiful and fresh and plump there's no tampering. So once you tamper with an almond, like any product, you've done something to it, it changes the almond. So there may be the same health benefits. I can never dispute that. However, the flavor is not the same. The freshness is not the same. Thank you for clarifying that. It's
0: okay Because <laughs> that's a very important point,
1: you know? Well, I can, after being around the family's business for so long and being actually in the business now for the last five years i can walk around a store and i can tell by visually looking at almonds whether they where they probably come from or whether they've had pasteurization treatment done to them just by the look of the almonds they they look very different what is that process of pasteurization dad
2: no you've got me i never i never went into it yeah (laughs) It, it was too costly to do Okay. Uh, it's an extremely yep. costly process
1: it's a bit like a I believe and I can be corrected on this because I was actually speaking to a gentleman at the trade fair to yesterday yeah. about this I believe it's like a water treatment, uh, a hot gassed water treatment something like that um, and it is to do with um, you know health benefits as in salmonella, absolutely but as long as you, um, you know, you take care of your almonds. Like we store all of our almonds at a very specific temperature and with a very low humidity. So we make sure we look after our produce so that when we supply it to our customers, it's been well looked after, it's in tip-top condition. But, so there was a reason for pasteurisation, but luckily in South Australia or in Australia, apparently there was a voting system and you got to choose whether you went down that, lo- that track or not. And that's still the case, obviously. It still is the case to yes. this day. However, for exporting, which is a lot of growers want to export, they will have to have them pasteurised, and that's fair enough because they are export market on a bulk level. Are so you looking at export? Exporting our flavoured almonds, yes, but not tonnage of almonds. That industry, they probably have to have them pasteurised. And that's fair enough. That's their market.
0: So what's the biggest challenge you're facing in your
1: business right now and how are you tackling it? Um, That tipple level, would you say, of um, us packing versus outsourcing Mm. into industries? Yeah,
2: you're you're at a point where you've got do we do mechanical stuff to actually package and whatnot or versus carry on hand doing because you're right at that line where it says, well, if – I really need to expand that bit more, but then you've got to do away with people more or less. you've got to have machinery to do it.
1: And that takes more capital. Yes, a lot more. Where people you pay on an hourly basis, Mm. so you can cash flow that. To get the machinery, you need space, you need capital input, um, and you need banks, finance, to take you seriously in that area. So there's a lot of hurdle and a lot of risk if things slow down. With staff, we can slow down. But once you've bought a $30,000, $50,000 piece of equipment, you've got it. Well, that's where you've got to... You better make it work. <laughs> commit to scaling, yeah? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's probably... I guess one of our um, decision-making areas at the moment is how to tackle that. And also, like a lot of small businesses, you start out with a passion. For us, it was experience, it was a love of the farm and wanting to keep that alive. But you might not, when you're a small business, you're a person of many hats But there's usually a few hats you're not very good at. So things like sales and marketing and that bravery to go and front up into a store and tell them why they should buy your product, what's so different about yours. That's a scary area to someone like me.
0: Well, it is scary. It's scary when you are taking, when you're growing, you're the primary producer, then you're value adding and you're creating other products based on the almonds. Yes, and then you're looking at, you can't be everything, can you? No. So you go, okay, you put your sales and marketing hat on, you put your packaging hat on, you put all these hats on, and there is a point where you've got to go, all right, do I outsource? Do I build the business up even bigger? And if so, how do I do that? And what's your market?
1: Yeah. And knowing which of those to do to outsource first. Yeah. Which one's the most important because you're a small business growing. You can only afford to go into so many areas. So it's knowing which is the one you need to do first, next, and then put the pennies towards the next one. And, yeah, do you get the sales or do you get the machine? Machine means we can cope better if we get the sales. The sales gets us Chicken the sales the to pay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, so what is your goal? Like, are you looking for distribution to get uh, some distributors on board to have I, your product across
1: Australia, or you want to stay on the Eastern Seaboard? We just want to grow and we want to take flora almonds, flora-grown almonds, as far as possible. I, I truly believe with the history of almonds in the flora that we really should keep that alive, but not just alive, just people to know, you know. The providence. The, the, yes, and the the story behind almonds grown in the flora. I feel very passionate about that and also about fair pricing for the farmers in the flora. Um, I I work with the farmers so that we are paying them what we consider a fair price. Uh, I know the history of my mum and dad when they were growing them in the early days, and really the the money barely covering the cost of running the block. It was actually the value adding for them that changed their lives, really, in farmers' markets. And I just keep that in the back of my head so that when I'm dealing with the farmers that I work with, that I know that I'm for want of a better term, not ripping them off mm-hmm. just so I can make a dollar, that we're all looked after, that the region's looked after and that the history is looked after. That's that community connection, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. And that and I think providence- that comes from farmers markets because you're all in it together at farmers markets. So we've been a part of the Wollonga farmers market now for around 20 years and that is an absolute community down there from the management down to the stallies down to the customers And Wollongong is a Wollongong, the almonds are a massive part of that history. We're huge fans of that farmers market. You know that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it's a beautiful
0: market, I must admit. A little bit biased, but. (laughs) So, would you say that that was really a springboard for you?
2: Uh, Definitely. We were there from day one. Um, Without it, we would have still been selling to Almond Co or the co op. And to be honest, you got peanuts for your money.
1: For one of a better yeah. peanuts for, almonds. Yeah. <laughs> for almonds yeah
2: for your almonds, yeah they, they they were literally it like Deb said, you barely covered the cost, you was actually working hard all year round and basically breaking even uh if we hadn't have um gone onto the market at the time, and if my wife hadn't have come up with all the different varieties, we would wouldn't have survived, you just couldn't or we'd have still been working because I had a factory job, and she was doing. Curtain hanging, uh, making. Um, she gave her job up because she was going into the cooking uh, sort of And then eventually we got to the point where it, we were, had expanded with the markets and the uh, airport. Um, and it, eventually I had to give my job up. And at that time it was a good paying job. Uh, but that was a gamble you took. And we said the almonds would be a better way of going long term.
0: So how many different varieties? Can you walk us through the different varieties? I know we've talked about the flavor, but you were... Yeah,
2: um, well...
0: In terms of the way you were planting, what made you make those decisions?
2: Um, purely like Deb was saying, the Summertons are a lot more producing tree every year.
0: So they have a larger yield.
2: Yeah, when eventually... And the, as they start to grow, they just continually get better. Uh, Johnson's, once they reach maturity... Which is these ones they um, get they're biannual, so at one year like Deb said you get them, you get masses of them next year you'll hardly get any of them, but they are, are good pollinators um, which are essential for the almond business you've got to pollinate um, then we had white brandis which was basically the almond wasn't that crash hot but it was a good pollinator um, We've got non-pareils in there now, or well, when I had the block, we got non-pareils, we part tried Wild Colony, which was a replacement for the Johnsons, uh, because you was finding it hard to get Johnson trees anymore. Mm. So it, it's a progressive changeover because, purely because they go out of style. You know, mm. People love the flavour of the Johnsons, and they, the ones who do like them like the hairiness of them. Right. Uh, mm. You can taste it on your tongue. Whereas these ones, the flavour of the Summertons and the Nonpareil, a nice smooth almond. Um, and that, these look good compared with the old-fashioned ones. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: They're the pretty almonds. Yeah.
2: So you basically got four or five varieties. We planted four or five varieties purely to get pollination. You maximise pollination for the Summertons and the Nonpareils. Uh, Johnson's, it's great if it's there on year. But if they're off you, you can virtually get none. Mm. But you still get the flowers. You get flowers, but they don't, for whatever reason, they don't pollinate.
0: So in your almond butters, which which ones are you using?
1: I prefer to use a mix of the brown skin almonds, so okay. the Sumptons and Johnstons. So, but we'll use the seconds. So often we'll get people coming to ask us, can we just buy seconds from you? And we're like, well, the thing is, we literally use every single bit of the almond. So there's not, there's nothing that doesn't have a home. And those mixed up brown skin almonds make beautiful almond meal, almond butter. So they've got a home already. And I find that the almond meal is got a really lovely oil content, real nice moisture to it because of this you know that variety that style of how it's made up now if i make an almond meal with the non it's beautiful but it's probably lighter less oil content so it's there is a bit of a difference and we can always see that difference in the almond butters as well so my preference is always to use the brown skin almonds for the almond butter just for flavor creaminess and oil content but the nonpareils will make a beautiful almond butter as well. And I think what's important is when we're making those things, we're generally using new season stock, and we're making it fresh all of the time. So it's not sitting there. We, if someone orders a ten kilo tub to make gelati with, mm-hmm. I'll have made that fresh for them. So it's fresh out and straight off to them. So they're they're really working with the freshest of ingredients and the new season stock and so it's it's just ready to go it's ready to stick a spoon in and dig away to be honest
0: <laughs> well from a from a manufacturing point of view knowing the source of the ingredients and having that relationship is really crucial
1: absolutely so the the main grower that we work with at this stage um and to be honest i hope that My mission is to outgrow even him and to do the next flora farmer and we just keep this all going and growing. But, yeah, the benefit of that and also being growers ourselves is we understand where they're coming from. We understand what they're going through and what their process is, but also we can talk to them constantly about um, what varieties are coming in, how much have we got this season, what can we play with, and what what grew well, you know, what went wrong. Like one year there was a really bad raining season – very late in the year. Do you remember that we lost a lot of trees down the hill? Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> sixty of them. Yeah, in one hit.
1: Yeah, it was. That's that's not a good year. Just no. to say that, <laughs> and you know that affects the farmers. So the fact that we understand that because we. I've come, well, I've come from a family that's been doing that for 30 years. I will understand that with the farmers as well. So there's a great communication there and there's a great drive between us all now to really make these flora-almonds, flora-grown almonds something and with their story again. It was disappearing over time due to, just like Dad said, trends and changes where the fluoro region was becoming such a big wine region it's an amazing wine region, but that meant the almonds were slowly disappearing. It's actually through those farmers' markets and our relationships that we're bringing it all back to life again and getting that message out there again. And doing trade fairs like this, I know Food South
0: Australia have really put a lot into bringing you all together here to, to wave the flag for all South, South, South Australian um, producers. But in
1: particular,
0: have you found
1: this sort of environment helpful? absolutely so for me the benefits of an event like the food bev tech trade show which is run by you know food essay as you know and gap solutions mm-hmm. i would never have that opportunity to talk on that level with some of the um, interested parties out there so it, and it also trying to present these varieties wouldn't be the same without an event like that and then they'll they didn't realise we had these craft compostable bags and that they were an option and about the different varieties and that they're still growing down there. So it, it really gives opportunity to explain more than just running into a busy store and saying, will you please buy my product? It's it's different. And for them it is too. That's it's They're not just looking at a website. Absolutely. A website, everyone's got a website. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, they're a dime a dozen. But that doesn't say who the people are that's behind that website, the the mums, the dads, the grandparents, the kids that are on the farms, um, working with those products, packing those products. Still, we've got three generations in our family that are still packing. I know our main farmer has got, they're on their back, their fourth or fifth generation. So there's a lot of history without these events and without Food South Australia allowing us to have a platform like that. Um, we couldn't tell those stories. We couldn't get those messages out. And so those big buyers out there get to meet, see who the real person is. It's not just a website. It's not just a box with almonds. There's a real family behind there. Well, that's, I mean, straight to the source. I mean, by title, it's food views and big
0: ideas. And working with producers like yourself and learning about your product and having a, a platform to share through our Audience is fantastic because we want to amplify the good work that you're doing and the quality product you're producing. Yeah. And some of our listeners are buyers, some of them are chefs, bakers, you know, um, distributors, uh, home cooks. So if you wanted to speak to them directly, a distributor, if they're listening right now, what would you like them to know about your almonds?
1: That there is a, a a real family working within a business, so our eyes on the ball at all times with the product, that we know the exact trees that all of our almonds come from, that we're incredibly passionate about them being good quality from the almond to the flavouring to the box we put it in and about supporting the circular um stakeholders um within them packets so within them packets my vanilla extract i know the farm that comes from as much as possible that we can tell you every element of our product so it's transparency
0: it's traceability it's provenance quality
1: deliciousness I've actually been nibbling
0: away while we've been having this podcast it's
1: easy to say that we can offer these various varieties and I am passionate about that but what I'm also passionate about is that when they buy these almonds there is a, a fifth generation farmer family that is bringing every generation up literally in that business and they're supporting that family and then we've created this sort of target long relationship really and that can only get better the more support the better that can get
0: okay everyone taronga almonds
1: that's what you want to look out for. And if
0: people have questions, where can they find you?
1: Just on your website? Hop on the website, send us an email. We've grown up and we've got a couple of emails now, which is a little bit exciting. <laughs> but straight on the website, there's a contact to us and we'll be happy to discuss and yeah, and just explain better, send samples out if they want to try them. A lot of chefs have never seen some of these varieties, and that's usually quite exciting. Um, So, yeah, we're happy to just work with them.
0: Well, thank you very much. Thank Thank you. you. It's been an absolute pleasure.